0: Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch. Means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. My name is Jason Martin. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. You can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. Say it every night. Blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this show finds you and yours doing exceedingly well in your life. My DM's always wide open at jmartzone for faith-based conversations. If not me, I hope you find somebody in your life to have that talk with. Couldn't possibly be more important. So, NFL is real close. I'm talking like three days close, I guess. I mean, it's fake football, but it's still football. Hall of Fame games coming up. First game for the Tennessee Titans. First preseason game is a week from Thursday. Coverage is going to start like 430 in the afternoon. So I will not be with you on that day. I'll actually only have a half show this Thursday because we're going to air the Hall of Fame game from Ken. But we bring in executive producer of Titans Radio, my good buddy, Rhett Bryan. He's going to spend the hour with us. I want to talk some Titans, maybe also some Tarantino. So we'll get into some tease over this hour. Rhett, what's up, man? This is your busy season. It is. So uh,
1: finishing up imaging that will run on Titans Radio and uh, all the programming elements, all those things, and every day at practice with uh, Coach Dave McGinnis, learning stuff every day from him. And uh, just getting ready for this first preseason game, as you mentioned. We we leave for Philadelphia a week from Wednesday and uh, have a game that uh, Thursday night, the 8th. And here we go.
0: It's here. What have you learned through the course of this job? And what is this your Is this your fourth or fifth season doing it? Fifth season, right? Is that um, right? Fifth or sixth. I uh, started five years ago in this role. I think you started so. kind of where Mariota started, right? Or were you here for a, I was year, here a before year before he before got him? Here. Okay, so yeah. all right, so this probably is your sixth year then. So, from that point to now, take us inside the curtain in terms of what you learned that you didn't know six years ago that you've learned through this process that you've gotten better at. Sure. Over the years,
1: well, and I think it's the thing. It's it's great that you ask that, Jason, because. It's the thing that the team, the Titans in 2019, are trying to do in the terms of their whole slogan, going from good to great, and it's by consistency. So in that window of time, I have everyone that I have been working on the broadcast crew with in terms of, you know, Mike and Coach Mack and uh, Philip Noel and Brad Willis and Jonathan Hutton, and now Amy Wells is in the mix, but no, have known Amy in her time with the Titans and so we all kind of know each other's roles, positions, what we need to do to pick up slack, whatever. Uh, so in addition to my duties as, you know, executive producer and, and co-game day host with with Jonathan Hutton is I'm responsible for, you know, obviously the imaging that you hear, helping with some of the imaging and the programming on the local end on the, the flagship home here at 104.5 The Zone, and then also the 50 plus other stations that we have in four states, like organizing uh, an affiliate day that's coming up uh, the second preseason game where they play the Patriots uh, at Nissan stadium and all the things that kind of go into that, whether it's affiliate relations, uh, whether it's just anything that needs to be done as the season gets closer. And uh, you know, I'm constantly working with the sales staff downstairs because they're selling Titans radio and, availabilities and features and spots and those things so i think it's just knowing that you've been around the block and kind of knowing what's coming and it was different this year because most of the spring was eaten up by the nfl draft being here in nashville sure Uh, that was a whole different animal there uh, we've done draft coverage for several years like that, but nothing to that extent and depth as we did because the the draft was in Nashville. So I think it's the continuity, consistency, and just going around the block and knowing what's what. And uh, I mean, the difference in what I knew in 2014 to now is it's miles uh, just because uh, I know what to anticipate most of the time and kind of have an internal clock. And then, you know, the other thing is just, Having I, I have an off-season to-do list to get me ready for the season that is a Word document that literally grows every year in terms of things that have to be done, whether it's uh, 104.5, the Zone and Titans Radio's uh, ad page and the game day programs for the, just little things like that that you don't think about. Um, and then when the season starts, I have a, C, a weekly to-do list. And Mike Keith, the voice of the Titans, very valuably gave me some great advice after he just saw me swimming in over my head five years ago. He said, Brett, make you a list of daily duties that goes to each thing to prepare you for each day. And when you're done with those days, tasks go home. Don't overdo it. Uh, Spend time with your family when you can. And if you, you know, you work too many hours, as you well know, you get punch drunk and you can be counterproductive. You end up messing things up oh, that you're yeah. trying to put together. Yeah, And uh, I think that's the, one of the smartest pieces of advice I've gotten from anybody in doing this. And so I do. You know, on, on Mondays, I do a certain uh, list of things to do and, and getting commercial copy in for the next game from the sales folks and from the Titans, from their clientele. To, you know, all different kinds of things. And that will shift a little bit and change this year because for the first time ever, the the coaches show, the Mike Vrabel show, will air on Monday nights from right. 6 to 7 Central right here on The Zone and on Titans Radio. It's typically been on Tuesday nights. And then um, Titans Tonight with Amy Wells and uh, Keith Bullock and Mike Keith usually has been airing on Thursdays from 6 to 7. That's moving to Tuesday nights from mm-hmm. 6 to 7. So the idea is that we hit you with – The game broadcast on Sundays for the, obviously, most of those games are on Sundays. And then the coaches show on Mondays, Titans tonight on Tuesdays, and the rest is building momentum towards the next contest.
0: You know, I think it's interesting what Mike Key said about not necessarily taking work home because I've thought about this a lot. One of the reasons that I've requested a specific space in this building is to create a place in which I can work and write, especially write, because it's real easy for me to pull out my laptop and write a lot at home. But then it always feels like I should be working when I'm at home. Like you actually need to have some kind of, let's just borrow it from Superman, Fortress of Solitude. You need somewhere where you've gotten away from it. You might not be able to shut your brain off completely, but if you're in a spot where you're working and your family's around or and your friends are around and all of this – Feels like you feel like you're being lazy if you're not doing some mm-hmm. level of work, sure. and so when you can't escape work even at home, that's where burnout can come from. Well,
1: oh, absolutely, and and look, in addition to that, excellent piece of advice. I mean, you can't always get away from that. I try to do as much as I can here before I go home, and I still end up doing a few things at home, but not as much as I would when I first started um you know there are things i'll monitor and I, i'll do a lot of you know jonathan Hutt and i do a lot of studying during the week and we will have text threads late at night bouncing ideas back and forth about what the content will be for titans countdown when network pregame starts what are the stories what do we do and sometimes an injury or a suspension or a whatever like taylor Lewand, will yep. change the game in that sure. in that uh portion of it so there's some ebbs and flows. It's just – it's a busy season. I mean, and, and look, I'm not complaining at all. I wouldn't have it any other way. But, you know, for about six months out of the year, I can count on almost one hand how many days off I have. Um, it's it's really full-time work. Now, is it digging ditches and shoveling you-know-what? No, yeah. absolutely not. And uh, that's why I wouldn't have it any other way. And my girls at home, my wife and my teenage daughter, this is all they've ever known. And they're used to it, and they know that I – A lot of times leave before the sun comes up and way after the sun goes down many days of the week. So we just try to spend time together when and where we can.
0: Familiarity of the team is the kind of thing that leads you to be able to pull off the weather plan that you pulled off last year. Trust in everybody in that room Mm -hmm. and Amy down on the sidelines. Guys that have been around the team, understand the franchise, are professionals in everything that they do. During free agency in the NBA, it seemed like the stories that kept being talked about where guys wanted to go to familiarity. They wanted to go with friends. They wanted to go to medical personnel that they trusted. They wanted to do all of these kinds of things. I think it's interesting that that really is reflective in everywhere in society and definitely within media. Like when you're familiar, I think familiarity is very underrated when it comes to chemistry and when it comes to, you can have two players that are identical except one of them just breeds a positive atmosphere, breeds a level of trust. And even if their stats are identical, I'll bet you the team with that guy is going to be better than the one with the identical guy that doesn't necessarily play by the team rules.
1: It's funny. You should say that because I've been on Titans radio since it was the Tennessee Oilers radio network, Larry Stone, my predecessor in this role and the guy who built the network. I'm the first really person he hired that wasn't necessarily on air on staff. Um, so I remember Jonathan Hutton when he was an intern. I remember when Brad Willis was an intern. Philip Noel, who I have worked in radio with for almost 30 years, uh, you know, we've all, and so we're all friends to begin with, and so there's a chemistry and a familiarity there that is an excellent layer of where you start with. And to your point, Mike Keith, in the 22 years I've known him, I've never had a crossword with him. He, he and I have never had one argument, and it's because I have an immense respect for him. Uh, I'm very biased when I will say he is one of the best play-by-play announcers in in most any sport and certainly in the National Football League. He has a gift and a knack for retention and knowledge and stats and how things work in any game setting it. And listen, the weather delay in Miami in week one was a prime example of that. Uh, He goes immediately to being host and kind of flowing in and out of things. But uh, yeah, it's, it's knowing you've got a brother there to go with you. And in this case, Amy Wells, a sister to go there with you and uh, you all know what your roles are and you know, when your brother or your sister needs help and you need to pick up slack or whatever needs to happen. And I think that's the other thing too, is our crew would not be above doing anything. Like if they said we need to empty the trash out of the booth, well, we're, I don't care. I'll do it. I don't. It doesn't matter. Um, we're all
0: t- kind of together, a collective machine. I think that's right. And when we come back, we'll talk about the machine of the Tennessee Titans and actually talk about some football. But it just reminds me of the look. This quote has been attributed to Roosevelt. It's been attributed to Harry Truman. It's been attributed to John Wooden. It's been attributed to a Jesuit priest from 1909. So I don't know who actually came up with it, but I have always liked it. And it it is amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. Everybody working as a team from the lowest detail to the biggest thing. Somebody doesn't always necessarily have to be on a pedestal. But if somebody is, I think the key is that everybody around them that was part of it is part of that joy. That doesn't necessarily just wish they were on the pedestal. And I've always felt that way about Titans Radio and the group, as I consider all of you guys and gals friends as well. And I feel like that, that's kind of the radio station in many respects. And sure. the way that all of these shows maintain themselves is that no one person is the key to any success. At this place, and I feel that way about about what you guys do, and I'm excited to to see all the fruits of your labor, the harvest we, next week once we start the sure. season off.
1: And Jason, when we go, you know, radio has battles of its own. Oh, there yeah. are plenty of options on the dial, and the people I work with in this building, I am fiercely loyal and will protect and do whatever we need to do uh, when it comes
0: to those kinds of things. And that's why I am not above doing anything when we. Uh, task-wise. So when we come back, we'll talk about the 2019 Tennessee Titans, the challenges that lie ahead, the hope that may lie ahead, Mariota, Derrick Henry, the newcomers, the guys that are going to miss some time, all of that as we continue with Rep Bryan on a special, very Titans-specific edition of the Big Six. Also coming up, next segment, third segment of this program, I'm throwing out the first pitch at the Sounds game tomorrow night. I'd rather you don't come but we're going to give away sweet tickets. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know that it will live in infamy if I turn into the mayor of Cincinnati or Mariah Carey tomorrow on the mound. Hopefully that will not happen, but you'll have a chance to win sweet tickets to El Paso versus Nashville at First Tennessee Park coming up as well. We'll be right back. This is The Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. So... Welcome back into the Big Six, Tuesday edition here in the Music City. Hope your day's going well. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate, renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. I'm Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone, 615-737-1045. Don't know if we'll get to phone calls tonight, but you want to talk to Brian Mudd for some reason? That is something that is available to you through that phone number right now. That's right, Brian. <laughs> Executive producer of Titans Radio, (laughs) man of many voices, joining me for the hour. So, all right, Rhett, this season, we're still a few weeks away, but we're one week away, basically, from the first preseason game. Mm -hmm. How do you feel right now, without going into specifics, because we're going to go into specifics right right after this, how do you feel about this team at this point, compared to maybe how you felt about them over the last couple of years at this point?
1: Well, it's funny you should ask that, because... I was talking earlier to one of our Titans radio affiliates uh, down south, and they were asking me this kind of the same thing. And you can see just a dramatic difference in this base level of talent at the proper spots on this roster that John Robinson has been working so tirelessly over for the last three years since he came in as the general manager. And I think that's what's been evident at camp is that from a thirty thousand foot level, you're looking out there, and you're like, "I remember two, three years ago, you're like, "Man, they need help here. they need help at this spot, they need this guy to come along quickly, They need this guy to come back from injury they you know if the cards go right, you know you can do this and that and the other. You're out there looking at them now, and you're going, Man, Dean Pease's defense not too shabby, offense looking pretty good, Marcus has looked good, consistently good. He's made one bad throw in Ford practices." and I'm sure he's. he'd like to have that one back. You see the additions that they've made and then these young kids that have kind of grown up in front of our eyes, and there is a good, solid base level of talent, not only positionally but in all three phases. I think special teams is going to be good, and that is a huge part. Uh, knowing that John Robinson and Mike Vrabel came from that Patriots way of life, how big a deal that is. Without special teams, they don't win – half of those six world championships in their you know modern-day free agent uh, period dynasty. Um, I mean, they're, I think the end result is what is the earmark of a team that is moving in the right direction and, again, trying to go from good to great in that when they make that final cut Labor Day weekend of going to 90 to 53 because they just have one cut now. There's going to be some guys on the street that are going to get jobs somewhere else and contribute, and
0: that's the earmark of a team that is starting to put it together. How do you feel about Vrabel year two? I think there's also something to be said for that, that, yeah, I mean, Arthur Smith is coming in, but Dean P's coming back is a real help. (laughs) It's huge. Yeah, and just having a staff that didn't have a ton of turnover on it. There is some. We talked about familiarity in our Mm -hmm. process in the first segment familiarity on the sidelines and the guys wearing headsets and carrying clipboards can't be understated either. Continuity is so huge in
1: this, just like you, you and I both talked about it in, in the first segment. It's that way in anything in life. It certainly is with this and you can see a comfortable level and a confident level from Mike Vrabel as, and he is working all three of those fields. If he's not working with Jarell Casey and Jeffrey Simmons and some of these guys on PUP trying to come back and working on on drills with them. He's over working on punt protection or kick protection on, on special teams with Craig Aukerman. And if he's not doing that, he's running, you know, pass rush drills. I mean, he has got something going on all the time. And I think it's just again, he's been around the block now at this position, and he I'm sure took a lot of mental and, and written notes of what he'd like to do differently. The thing that I see differently with him and with John Robinson, it's interesting because the sense of urgency is there. They know that right tackle Jack Conklin, running back Derrick Henry, quarterback Marcus Mariota, backup quarterback Tannehill, Hill, a lot of these guys are in their last year their deal. And you better make some hay while the sun shines, as the farmers say. And I see this sense of urgency, and I saw it in OTAs, minicamp, and certainly in the first few days, John Robinson is watching this stuff like a hawk. He is anybody that's there filming and you know anything outside of the portions that the media are supposed to. He's asking who people are that are watching practice. I mean, he is this is his deal. But Vrabel, Mike Vrabel, I saw this in minicamp, and it was a an eleven on eleven drill, and Dean Pease didn't have. A look that he liked and I mean he got into it with Dean Pease in terms of they didn't have like a an argument but he was like there's a sense of urgency with some expletives in there and about you know we got to get this guy lined up over here whatever and I had not heard that in year one because he played for Dean Pease that was his boss you know he knows where everything is now and there's no question he's in charge And there's no question that John Robinson is in charge of that 53-man roster. And the urgency is
0: definitely there. Urgency, not just with the people that have to be paid, but also urgency for John Robinson's job, right? At some point, that has to factor in. I mean, he's got – I guess he's still got the Mariota thing left that he could point to if he had to. But I think that he's drafted fairly well. Well, when you look at the Kevin – for every Kevin,
1: you know, Kevin Byard – there's a, a, a Kevin Dodd. I was about to say, yeah, you, you know? can stay with the same first name. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, you hate that Jack Conklin has had the injuries that he's had because started out as a you know an all-pro, as a rookie right tackle. Uh, but, again, if you can pull from that and glean from him the things that he is so gifted with athletically uh, and that he stays healthy, same thing with Marcus Mariota, y- you can win some ball games. because. Th- The whole thing is this deep Dean Pease defense. The fact that he came back after having a health scare in in Indianapolis last year during the regular season, I can't put a value on it. And for them to bring in a guy like Brent urban, who's a massive defensive lineman who played for Dean Pease in that defense to help out in the middle of that stuff, you can see all the pieces that they've got going forward, you know, for all of the, Henry's and Mariota's and the guys who contracts are out. There are so many that are under contract for the next three years, which would take you past a potential lockout year and the end of a CBA and the start of another CBA. When you've got a Kevin Byard under contract like that, when you've got a Jarell Casey, I mean, there's a lot of dudes, whether they're under rookie or extended contracts that are going to be here for a while which is, again, goes back to the continuity, knowing who's next to you going to battle. You got him. I got
0: him. You know, I trust you implicitly. That's where it all is. I'm a guy who, and we've got Red Brian of Titans Radio with us for the hour here on the Big Six. I'm Jason Martin. I'm a guy who feels like the people that write down every play in camp need to get a life. That's just me. Like, I, I'm at training camp and I'll stand next to David Guinness and I learn a ton and yeah. I love it. It's, it's a wonderful experience, once in a lifetime kind of experience. But when I hear, well, Mariota was sharp today or Mariota wasn't sharp the day before, <laughs> like he was super sharp yesterday and then the day before, defense got the better of him. Mm-hmm. Tell me why I'm wrong that it's overvalued one day to the next, what somebody like Marcus Mariota does in training camp? Well, I mean, I think you have a
1: valid point, but I think where the crux of it lies is that people are starving for football and for information. So not only whether it's just a cataloging of how many, you know, what his completion percentage was when they did a red zone drill or what they did in seven-on-seven seven or whatever, Yeah, I think it's a dual deal. I think it's just kind of wanting to chart things and then also – being able to talk to the fan base about what's my quarterback doing, what's my wide receivers doing, whatever. Uh, Yeah, and look, the fact, and I said, he had the worst throw of camp yesterday, uh, that it was off target intended for Tajay Sharp. It was tipped by Malcolm Butler, and it was picked off by the rookie Amani Hooker from Iowa. It's a throw he'd love to have back, but you know what? Out of all, whatever reps he's had in the three days plus before that, there wasn't a throw like it, and most of the stuff was he was spinning it. But again, it's the underwear Olympics. They just started putting on pads on Sunday. So, you know, they, there's not a lot. You can't hit that guy in the red jersey. That's a good way to get a ticket home. Uh, that's why these preseason games coming up is a good uh, chance to show some things. But I see what they like, I see what they're doing. And I think the other thing's important in all this is they are not having to take a lot of time to stop and correct things. And that's something you saw some of last year is, you know, guys were just learning things and continuing to learn how Dean Pease wants his 3-4 versus Dick LeBeau, et cetera, et cetera. Um, not a lot of time with that. They're they're making good plays, sharp plays, and not spending a lot of time going backwards.
0: Mario looked a little bigger. Definitely. That was one of the things he put on a little bit of Definitely. mass in the off season. Hopefully yeah. maybe that'll – Increase his durability just a little bit. Because, I mean, the biggest concern about Mariota, I don't know. I mean, I have problems with his consistency throwing the ball on the short to intermediate routes more than I do deep balls. Mm -hmm. I trust him more to throw the ball 40 yards downfield than I do to throw it eight, which I don't know is a good thing if you're Marcus Mariota. But the big question, or at least the easy target, is always injury prone. I've never said that. I just thought his body has betrayed him a little bit more often than some other folks. But how do you feel he looks Right now, in terms
1: of his physique and everything, listen—he can still pull it down and run it. The legs are there, and he definitely has put weight on. It's one of the things that Mike Vrabel asked him to do, to see if they could increase durability in this this whole deal. And you can see in his core, his torso up, that he definitely has more weight on. He looks bigger, um, but the speed is still there. And yeah, I mean, what I have seen so far, which is a small sample window um Marcus looks good right now and it doesn't hurt that he's got Delaney Walker back out there doing (laughs) Delaney Walker things at 35 years old after a major injury that he has Adam Humphreys as a new receiver to go with an already talented Corey Davis who is one of the storylines in this thing year three is where this receiver should take off if you're not named Randy Moss or whoever that had a really good rookie season which those are few and far between he looks like
0: W.R. number one, period. And he has to to have been the fourth pick in the draft. Yep, yep. Can't afford to uh, take one that's not. I mean, he's gone
1: and gotten the difficult grabs, the easy grabs, uh, and made it look good. And uh, really excited about the prospect of Corey Davis making another step forward and truly being wide receiver number one. And then that wide receiving group, man, on paper – that's one of the best Titans-wide receiving rooms we've
0: had in years. Yeah, let's, 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 let's put a pin in it. We'll talk about the receiving group, yeah. and I want to talk about Derrick Henry on the other side as well, but I kind of want to gush about Adam Humphreys because I really think he's going to be an X-factor this season for this football team. I thought that might have been the sneaky best move that John Robinson made in the offseason was grabbing Adam Humphreys from out of Tampa Bay. So we will start there next. Rep Brian continues with us here on the Big 6, 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Back. Happy Tuesday to you. Hope it's going well wherever you are. This is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Right now, call Ryan Mudd at 737-ZONE. That's not the original phone number. That's 737-0663. You can also use 9663. 737-ZONE, fifth caller, will win a pair of sweet tickets to tomorrow night's Nashville Sounds game versus El Paso at First Tennessee Park. And by first pitch is around 7.05, it's Faith and Worship Night. There'll be music for an hour before as well. Gates will open at 5.35. Tomorrow should be a fun atmosphere. First pitch is at 7.05. I don't know if that means my first pitch at 7.05 or the sound's first pitch at 7.05. But somewhere around that point will either be my triumph or my defeat. So you will see it, and I'm sure many people will unfortunately have smartphones And this thing will live in either fame or infamy or maybe both. We'll see. But fifth caller right now, 737-ZONE, 0663 to Ryan Mudd. will win those tickets. Rhett Bryan joining us here from Titans Radio this hour as we're just talking about the upcoming season. And we were talking about the receivers there in that last segment right at the tail end of it, Rhett. And I think A.J. Brown is going to be fascinating to watch. I like what he brings. Corey Davis, I've seen some of the video highlights of... One-handed grabs he's out here making, and he looks a lot like a WR1, like you said. And he definitely needs to be this season. And there were times last year where he looked like it. Against the Eagles, he had that incredible game. There. The he was Patriots, like, too. Yeah, he showed yeah. up in the biggest in some of the biggest moments. That's when he showed up, and then he would just kind of go onto a milk carton for yeah. a month. And I think that that was a problem with the whole team. That team could go beat New England, or they could beat Philadelphia. Then they could go lay an egg against Buffalo. And Marcus Mariota, same could be said for him in that same situation. But yeah, Corey Davis in those two games,
1: it's twenty five, thirty percent of his catches, yardage, fifty percent of his touchdowns for the year in those two games against the defending world champion and the eventual world world champion. I mean, that's one. I I think as time goes by, that New England game um, on Veterans Day last mm-hmm. year maybe one of the better regular season games in the last several years at Nissan Stadium because let's not forget, Tom Brady left that bad boy with seven minutes to go because... Yeah, they 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 waved
0: the white flag and gave up on that game.
1: They're like, nah, we're done here. Because he got popped again and again. And I mean, whether it's hurries and pressures or quarterback sacks, and they're like, yeah, we need to live to fight another day. We don't need 12 going down. Let's uh, let's pull you right now and put in uh, Brian Hoyer and get this done, just going to... Back to Foxborough, so yeah, uh, Corey Davis was lights out in that game and, and caught the you know last second overtime winner or whatever against uh, yeah Philadelphia the Eagles. Yeah. So, but yeah, this this receiving core again on paper is one of the better ones in maybe in Titans history because you have Corey Davis, you have a Taywan Taylor returning, you have a Tajay Sharp who you cannot count count out at all. Um. And you mentioned Adam Humphreys before the break. And one of, one of the better moves in this football offseason by John Robinson. He knew him from his time in Tampa uh, when he was an undrafted out of Clemson. He's a fifth-year guy. Looks like a Sunday school teacher. Yeah. Uh, he's the kind of guy you want your daughter to come home, you know, and introduce to the family. 5'11", 195, 76 catches, 8'16", five scores and those are great numbers considering you got Mike Evans and some other dudes, O.J. Howard, and a lot of those guys on that team. But what gets lost in there
0: is of those 76 catches,
1: 61% of those catches were were for first downs.
0: Yeah, he's a chain-moving guy, and he's a dude that has no problem taking a hit either. Like, he's the one that's not alligator arming it between the hashes, and we saw that in Tampa over and over last year. It's why he became a favorite target. Of whoever was playing
1: quarterback for the Bucks last year, <laughs> and and can return punts. So and, and you know has already seen some work uh, in that phase in pre, in the training camp. So yeah, there's two or three guys right there off the top, and then you pepper in some interesting stories. I mean, Cameron Batson is one that you want to watch in this preseason. Undrafted from Texas Tech last year, and he got one of the off-season. Uh, workout awards for skills from his teammates and coaches uh, that was revealed when training camp started. He's had a great off season. Um, he is a guy that if, if this other gentleman I'm about to talk about isn't watching, he will take Darius Jennings job mm. as a return guy. And he can catch it too. I
0: you mean think those are the guys. You talk about the return guy. Let's let let's stay there for a second. Okay. That's been a consistent issue for this team for a long time. Madori mm-hmm. was great in college, but he's also an athlete that you don't necessarily want out there. He doesn't look like he sometimes wants to be out there. Mm-hmm. They need him yep. in other spots. We had what, Leon Washington back there. We had Dexter mm-hmm. McCluster back there. We had a lot Tried of guys forget where, those, but yes. yeah, it looked like those things made sense at the time mm-hmm. and then they never did. Yep. So Is there a true return guy on this team where it's actually going to work? We saw Jennings make some mistakes. We saw Batson make a mistake last year. I know everybody's going to make some kind of an error at some point, but but what is your confidence level as it relates to the return game?
1: Well, I mean, I feel better just because both of those guys, uh, Jennings and Batson, this is their second time around the block with with the Titans in another year. And so they know what's expected of them. Um, and, again, Adam Humphreys, you know, I don't know what the kind of money you're paying him. Do you want him back there right. returning punts and he gets hurt? But there's another guy on this um, roster currently who's an undrafted out of North Carolina, Anthony Ratliff-Williams, mm-hmm. who I think predominantly is a kick returner but uh, had a lot of yardage in three years for the Tar Heels. That may You may see some some opportunity there, but I think right now it's Cam Batson's job to lose now that he's been a primarily a punt returner, and that's really what you want to focus on anyway, just because the the way the rules have gone away from the kicking game in regards to you know kickoff returns, punt returns is what you really are focused sure. on. So, but uh, again, a lot of good talent. I mean, when AJ Brown comes back from whatever he's got, which I think is maybe a slightly pulled hamstring or whatever. Uh AJ Brown, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, Tajay Sharp, uh, <coughs> Delaney Atlantin. Walker. Delaney Walker. I mean,
0: good grief. How much of Davis's inconsistency last year do you think had to do with everybody could kind of key in on him? If they wanted to. Because, because there wasn't an eighty-two have. out there. I and think. He, and then you lose Janu on top of that as well. Like it just it was real thin. All sure. of a sudden it looked like okay, there are some weapons here. Then it got You realize the depth might not have been there. Well,
1: and let's let's take it a step further because R. Matthews, (laughs) (laughs) hello, bye bye. Um, Let's not forget that in week two against the Houston Texans, they had to go back into Matt Lafleur's office and piecemeal something together, and that's why you had a Kevin Byer to Dane Crookshank fake punt for a sixty-six yard touchdown pass um, to to keep things going you were down your top three tackles because at that point, Lawan was in concussion protocol. Dennis Kelly had the mysterious right. illness. Right. So, I mean, you had like guys like Tyler Merritts playing tackle. And That's stuff. true. Um, and you did not have Delaney Walker. So, in that first month of the season, I mean, yeah, it, there's a lot of things that can contribute to why Corey Davis didn't come along when he should have. And, again, this offensive line, I think – will be better because you have improved the cylinder play you you needed to look at guard on both sides and they have and you know nate davis who they took in the third round from unc charlotte uh got all the reps at right guard and practice yesterday which tells me they are starting to like what he sees and not worried about a frog leaping stance and all the stuff that he had in college um, I mean, he got every rep at right guard with the ones. And so, you know, if that kid can come along, then that means Kevin Palmfield can play guard or tackle. Uh, you want Saffold there at left guard. Ben Jones is right there. You figure Corey Levin's probably the next guy that's going to make that group because he can play guard or center. And again, if Jack Conklin is coming back and doing well, and he he looks good in what we've seen in terms of uh, being able to start mauling again, you know, it's only going to make everything better for a Derrick Henry, for a Marcus Mariota, for a Delaney Walker in this wide receiving core.
0: I want to talk about Derrick Henry and talk about the other side of the football, talk about the defense in the final segment. So when we come back, Rep will join us. And I'm going to ask him where a once upon a time in Hollywood ranks in his Tarantino list. Mm-hmm. Stick around for that as the Big Six rolls along here on a Tuesday night in the Music City on 1045 The Zone. The- Final segment of Ye Old Program. This is the Big Six here on 1045 The Zone. We're brought to you by Renter's Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners benefit from the rental boom by renting their homes the easy way. Renter's Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. Rep Brian, executive producer of Titans Radio. You can follow Titans Radio at Titans Radio, and he's at Rhett B, Tennessee. You can follow him as well, as you should. Scott Kasmar, Football Outsiders. I get a whole lot of stuff from these guys, especially Scott. Of the last 20 NFL rushing champions in the NFL, only five advanced in the playoffs, five missed the playoffs entirely, only two of them. Have reached a conference title game, no one since Ladanian Tomlinson in 2007, and precisely zero of the last 20 rushing champions in the NFL have won the Super Bowl. Derrick Henry is a running back, and you look at teams like Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott, who's trying to get paid, and he's in Cabo right now. Oh, they went and signed Alfred Morris. I don't know that that's going to replace. I don't know that that's going to replace Zeke. <laughs> and then you got Melvin Gordon trying to get paid, and you understand because it's a 2.35 year average in terms of a career for a running back they Mm -hmm. just drop like flies because of the amount of hits and the amount of physicality that they take right we talked about mariota getting bigger derrick henry never needed to get bigger no he's a frightening human being to stand next to just
1: bulldozer they call them from yulee florida so yeah
0: so we saw a six game stretch last year basically where there was was, nobody better he was the guy Mm mm-hmm I'm not ready to put a statue out downtown Broadway of him just yet. He's eventually going to try to command some money, I would think, if he can keep this going. But do you think that he's going to be as big a focus as he was in the last six games of the season under Arthur Smith, especially early on this year? Maybe as some of these guys get more familiar, or Mariota's health, or what? Like how how do you feel like they're going to employ Derrick Henry, and where is, does Deion Lewis factor into this? Well, I think you
1: we'll see a
0: lot of Derrick Henry. Uh, it's still
1: not clear as to what the balance is between the passing game and the running game because they hadn't played a preseason game yet. We, you know, we see things in practice, but again, small sample size. Um, why wouldn't you want to give the ball to 22 to you know impose his will? Because, I mean, listen, in the old Jeff Fisher days, that average yard per carry as quarters clicked off and you got into fourth quarter, that's where Eddie made his hay because they're just tired of tackling a guy that big. Um, but again, you've got this wide receiving core that's so talented. You have so many options. So, you know, it's just interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where everything is delegated and how it's kind of carved up. And not that it's all going to be even because it's not. Um, I think when you start worrying about reps for who and whatever is when you get to end up getting beaten in a ball game. But uh, why wouldn't you want to tap into that last six weeks, Derek Henry versus the first uh, 12 weeks in terms of that? And, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see what all that looks like. And, again, with improved cylinder play, those left and right guards to go with the tackles, it's it's going to be a, a, a direct dividend to number 22 uh, in terms of reaping the benefits of that. And Deion and Lewis – You know, I don't know how all that works. I don't know how they carve up carries or do whatever. Uh, Obviously, Derrick Henry can't run every
0: rep every game. Didn't it feel like, I mean, I thought, I think maybe you agree with me, maybe you didn't, but I thought he was going to be used more last year than he was. I thought Deion Lewis was going to turn out to be more valuable than he was. And I think at some point, Derrick Henry made him less valuable because Derrick Henry needed to be on the field more often yeah and you know you I think Deion Lewis's best game was probably
1: in London in the loss to the Chargers so yes, I, mean, I think you're right I yeah. total yards I think that day um and had one of the that he had a 22 yard run in that game that is as good a 22 yard run as you will see in the NFL especially for a guy that size that is shaking tackles and trying to move it down the field to get his guys at least another first down and, and really trying to score obviously um but yeah, I you know, I I think it's going to be interesting just to see. I I don't think we know everything about what Arthur Smith's offense is going to be. And I don't think it's going to be a major overhaul. He will definitely put in things after conferencing with Marcus and, you know, the key members of the offense versus, you know, what he likes and what worked well cuz Arthur Smith is a super smart guy and I'm sure he cataloged all kinds of plays that worked well last year to kind of play
0: to their strengths. Landon Collins set the market for safeties. I don't know that Kevin Byard gets paid what he gets paid last week if it's not for Landon Collins getting the deal that he got. And so I'm really happy for Kevin Byard, and I'm happy that Landon Collins commanded the money that Landon Collins did as well. I also like the idea that Tennessee is betting on Kevin Byard. They're betting on him early. They're not going to let him get disgruntled. They're not going to let him feel, disrespected uh, not, disrespected's not the word, unappreciated. Yeah. underappreciated Jaylen Ramsey shows up in an armored truck to stick it to Tom Coughlin, who we can't stand that's in our division. So you look at that and you say, Oh, good. Let's just go ahead and keep feeding that malcontent. All that please, we can, please. Here's a gas can full of gas Here, and throw that on that. And fire. meanwhile, John Robinson just pretty much backs that same armored truck up to Kevin Byard and says, thank you. Yeah. And, and you said it, uh, the team and the
1: organization banking on Kevin Byard and, John Robinson has done it from day one. He didn't have a fourth round pick in that 2016 draft. So what did he do? He took him the third, uh, third round, first pick overall at number 64, and people were like, "Hmm, that's kind of a reach, isn't it?" Not saying that today, are you? No, no, I agree. And you know what's great about that? The same Kevin Byard shows up to work every day. The only thing that has changed is the commas and zeros and those game checks and probably a little different uh, tax bracket. And he earned them. And he did. He clearly outperformed his rookie contract. It was a lot like Jarrell Casey in 2014 when they ripped up his rookie contract in August in the preseason and said, here's something more deserving of what And that's happened to him a second time since then. Goes to work every day, busts his rear end. And, you know, after both. Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan have retired. Jason McCourty moved on and won a world championship with his brother in New England. I think Bayard's probably the leader of this defense now. He wants to be. Wants to take that on. And why wouldn't you want to go play for a guy like that? Couldn't happen to a better person and still wants to play special teams as the personal protector of the punter, Brett Kern, and has every plan of doing all those things. Nothing has changed with number 31.
0: Well, I wanted to talk Tarantino. I don't think we have time to do it. So, well, that just means we'll have to have rep back. There you go. talk about that. Plus, I need to actually see that film. I know I'm a movie <laughs> critic, but Rhett's seen it, and I haven't. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Once upon a time in Nashville, the Tennessee Titans are set to play football again. A week from Thursday against the Philadelphia Eagles. Titans radio coverage and our coverage here on The Zone will begin around 4.30 on Thursday. Football's here, folks. We'll see you tomorrow here on The Big Six. Alan Bell will talk NFL with me for the entire hour. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless, and good night.
1: stop sports talk continues with a look at nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 104.5 the Zone.com. this is the big six the big six with jason martin presented by renter's warehouse and here we go
0: Straight up six o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only big six here on 1045 The zone. My name is Jason Martin. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. You can find me on Twitter at Jmartzone. zone. Say it every night, blessed beyond measure, all reasonable. And otherwise hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this show finds you and yours doing exceedingly well in your life. My DMS always wide open at Jmartzone zone for faith-based conversations. If not me, I hope you find somebody in your life to have that talk with. Couldn't possibly be more important. So NFL is real close. I'm talking like three days close. I guess. I mean, it's fake football, but it's still football. Hall of Fame game's coming up. First game for the Tennessee Titans. First preseason game is a week from Thursday. Coverage is going to start at like 4.30 in the afternoon, so I will not be with you on that day. I'll actually only have a half show this Thursday because we're going to air the Hall of Fame game from Ken, but we bring in executive producer of Titans Radio, my good buddy, Rhett Bryan. He's going to spend the hour with us. I want to talk some Titans, maybe also some Tarantino, so we'll get into some tease over this hour. Rhett, what's up, man? This is your busy season. It is. So uh,
1: finishing up imaging that will run on Titans Radio and uh, all the programming elements, all those things, and every day at practice with uh, Coach Dave McGinnis, learning stuff every day from him. And uh, just getting ready for this first preseason game, as you mentioned, we we leave for Philadelphia a week from Wednesday and uh, have a game that uh, Thursday night, the eighth. And here we
0: go; it's here. What have you learned through the course of this job? And what is this your is this your fourth or fifth season doing it? Fifth season, right? Is that right? Um, Fifth or sixth.
1: I started five years ago in this role.
0: I think you started kind of where Mariota started, right? Or were you here for a year before? Yeah, a year before him. Okay, so, all right, so this probably is your sixth year then. So from that point to now, take us inside the curtain in terms of what you learned that you didn't know six years ago that you've learned through this process that you've gotten better at over the years.
1: Well, and I think it's the thing, it's, it's great that you asked that, Jason, because. It's the thing that the team, the Titans in 2019, are trying to do in the terms of their whole slogan, going from good to great, and it's by consistency. So in that window of time, I have everyone that I have been working on the broadcast crew with in terms of, you know, Mike and Coach Mack and uh, Philip Noel and Brad Willis and Jonathan Hutton, and now Amy Wells is in the mix, but no know, have known Amy in her time with the Titans and so we all kind of know each other's roles, positions, what we need to do to pick up slack, whatever. Uh, so in addition to my duties as, you know, executive producer and, and co-game day host with with Jonathan Hutton is I'm responsible for, you know, obviously the imaging that you hear, helping with some of the imaging and the programming on the local end on the, the flagship home here at 104.5 The Zone. And then also the 50 plus other stations that we have in four states, like organizing uh, an affiliate day that's coming up, uh, the second preseason game where they play the Patriots uh, at Nissan Stadium. And all the things that kind of go into that, whether it's affiliate relations, uh, whether it's just anything that needs to be done as the season gets closer. And you know, I'm constantly working with the sales staff downstairs because they're selling Titans radio and – availabilities and features and spots and those things so i think it's just knowing that you've been around the block and kind of knowing what's coming and it was different this year because most of the spring was eaten up by the nfl draft being here in nashville sure uh that was a whole different animal there uh, we've done draft coverage for several years like that but nothing to that extent and depth as we did because the the draft was in nashville so i think it's the continuity consistency and just going around the block and knowing what's what and uh, i mean the difference in what i knew in 2014 to now is it's miles uh just because uh, I know what to anticipate most of the time and kind of have an internal clock. And then, you know, the other thing is just having, I, I have an off season to do list to get me ready for the season. That is a word document that literally grows every year in terms of things that have to be done, whether it's, uh, 104.5, the zone and Titans radios, uh, ad page and the game day programs for the, just little things like that, that you don't think about, um, And then when the season starts, I have a a weekly to-do list. And Mike Keith, the voice of the Titans, very valuably gave me some great advice after he just saw me swimming in over my head five years ago. He said, Brett, make you a list of daily duties that goes to each thing to prepare you for each day. And when you're done with those days, tasks go home. Don't overdo it. Uh, spend time with your family when you can, and if you you know you work too many hours, as you well know, you get punch drunk and you can be counterproductive. You end up messing things up oh, that you're yeah. trying to put together. Yeah, and uh, I think that's the one of the smartest pieces of advice I've gotten from anybody in doing this. And so I do, you know, on on Mondays I do a certain uh, list of things to do, and, and getting commercial copy in for the next game from the sales folks and from the Titans from their clientele. To, you know, all different kinds of things. And that will shift a little bit and change this year because for the first time ever, the the coaches show, the Mike Vrabel show, will air on Monday nights from right. 6 to 7 Central right here on The Zone and on Titans Radio. It's typically been on Tuesday nights. And then um, Titans Tonight with Amy Wells and uh, Keith Bullock and Mike Keith usually has been airing on Thursdays from 6 to 7. That's moving to Tuesday nights from mm-hmm. 6 to 7. So the idea is that we hit you with – The game broadcast on Sundays for the obviously most of those games are on Sundays. And then the coaches show on Mondays, Titans tonight on Tuesdays, and the rest is building momentum towards the next
0: contest. You know, I think it's interesting what Mike Key said about not necessarily taking work home, because I've thought about this a lot. One of the reasons that I've requested a specific space in this building is to create a place in which I can work and write, especially write, because it's real easy for me to pull out my laptop and write a lot at home. But then it always feels like I should be working when I'm at home. Like you actually need to have some kind of, let's just borrow it from Superman, Fortress of Solitude. You need somewhere where you've gotten away from it. You might not be able to shut your brain off completely, but if you're in a spot where you're working and your family's around or and your friends are around and all of this – feels like you feel like you're being lazy if you're not doing some mm-hmm. level of work. Sure. And so when you can't escape work, even at home, that's where burnout can come from.
1: Well, oh, absolutely. And and look, in addition to that excellent piece of advice, I mean, you can't always get away from that. I try to do as much as I can here before I go home. And I still end up doing a few things at home, but not as much as I would when I first started Um, You know, there are things I'll monitor and I'll do a lot of, you know, Jonathan Hutt and I do a lot of studying during the week and we will have text threads late at night, bouncing ideas back and forth about what the content will be for Titans Countdown when network pregame starts. What are the stories? What do we do? And sometimes an injury or a suspension or whatever, like Taylor Lewan, will change the game in that that, uh, portion of it. So there's some ebbs and flows. It's just, it's a busy season. I mean, and, and look, I'm not complaining at all. I wouldn't have it any other way. But, you know, for about six months out of the year, I can count on almost one hand how many days off I have. Um, it's it's really full-time work. Now, is it digging ditches and shoveling? You know what? No, yeah. absolutely not. And that's why I wouldn't have it any other way. And my girls at home, my wife and my teenage daughter, they, this is all they've ever known. And they're used to it, and they know that I... A lot of times leave before the sun comes up and way after the sun goes down, many days of the week. So we just try to spend time together when and where we can.
0: Familiarity of the team is the kind of thing that leads you to be able to pull off the weather plan that you pulled off last year. Trust in everybody in that room Mm -hmm. and Amy down on the sidelines. Guys that have been around the team, understand the franchise, are professionals in everything that they do. During free agency in the NBA, it seemed like the stories that kept being talked about where guys wanted to go to familiarity. They wanted to go with friends. They wanted to go to medical personnel that they trusted. They wanted to do all of these kinds of things. I think it's interesting that that really is reflective in everywhere in society and definitely within media. Like when you're familiar, I think familiarity is very underrated when it comes to chemistry and when it comes to, you can have two players that are identical except one of them just breeds a positive atmosphere, breeds a level of trust. And even if their stats are identical, I'll bet you the team with that guy is going to be better than the one with the identical guy that doesn't necessarily play by the team rules.
1: It's funny you should say that because I've been on Titans radio since it was the Tennessee Oilers radio network. Larry Stone, my predecessor in this role, and the guy who built the network, I'm the first really person he hired that wasn't necessarily on air, on staff. Um, so I remember Jonathan Hutton when he was an intern. I remember when Brad Willis was an intern. Philip Noel, who I have worked in radio with for almost 30 years, uh, you know, we've all, and so we're all friends to begin with, and so there's a chemistry and a familiarity there that is an excellent layer of where you start with. And to your point, Mike Keith, in the 22 years I've known him, I've never had a crossword with him. He, he and I have never had one argument. And it's because I have an immense respect for him. Uh, I'm very biased when I will say he is one of the best play-by-play announcers in in most any sport and certainly in the National Football League. He has a gift and a knack for retention and knowledge and stats and how things work in any game setting it. And listen, the weather delay in Miami in week one was a prime example of that. Uh, He goes immediately to being host and kind of flowing in and out of things. But uh, yeah, it's knowing you've got a brother there to go with you. And in this case, Amy Wells, a sister to go there with you and uh, you all know what your roles are and you know when your brother or your sister needs help and you need to pick up slack or whatever needs to happen. And I think that's the other thing too is our crew would not be above doing anything. Like if they said, we need to empty the trash out of the booth. Well, I don't care. I'll do it. It doesn't matter. Um, We're all
0: kind of together, a collective machine. I think that's right. And when we come back, we'll talk about the machine of the Tennessee Titans and actually talk about some football. But just reminds me of the – look, this quote has been attributed to Roosevelt. It's been attributed to Harry Truman. It's been attributed to John Wooden. It's been attributed to a Jesuit priest from 1909. So I don't know who actually came up with it, but I have always liked it. And it it is amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. Everybody working as a team from the lowest detail to the biggest thing. Somebody doesn't always necessarily have to be on a pedestal. But if somebody is, I think the key is that everybody around them that was part of it is part of that joy. That doesn't necessarily just wish they were on the pedestal. And I've always felt that way about Titans Radio and the group, as I consider all of you guys and gals friends as well. And I feel like that, that's kind of the radio station in many respects. And sure. the way that all of these shows maintain themselves is that no one person is the key to any success. At this place, and I feel that way about about what you guys do, and I'm excited to to see all the fruits of your labor, the harvest we, next week once we start the sure. tree season off.
1: And Jason, when we go, you know, radio has battles of its own. Oh, there yeah. are plenty of options on the dial, and the people I work with in this building, I am fiercely loyal and will protect and do whatever we need to do uh, when it comes
0: to those kinds of things. And that's why I am not above doing anything. When we uh, task-wise. So when we come back, we'll talk about the 2019 Tennessee Titans, the challenges that lie ahead, the hope that may lie ahead, Mariota, Derrick Henry, the newcomers, the guys that are going to miss some time, all of that as we continue with Rep. Bryan on a special, very Titans-specific edition of the Big Six. Also coming up, next segment, third segment of this program, I'm throwing out the first pitch at the Sounds game tomorrow night. I'd rather you don't come we're going to give away sweet tickets. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know that it will live in infamy if I turn into the mayor of Cincinnati or Mariah Carey tomorrow on the mound. Hopefully that will not happen, but you'll have a chance to win sweet tickets to El Paso versus Nashville at First Tennessee Park coming up as well. We'll be right back. This is The Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. So... Welcome back into the Big Six, Tuesday edition here in the Music City. Hope your day's going well. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate, renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. I'm Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone, 615-737-1045. Don't know if we'll get the phone calls tonight, but you want to talk to Brian Mudd for some reason? That is something that is available to you through that phone number right now. That's <laughs> right, Brian. Brian. Executive producer of Titans Radio, (laughs) man of many voices, joining me for the hour. So, all right, Rhett, this season, we're still a few weeks away, but we're one week away, basically, from the first preseason game. Mm -hmm. How do you feel right now, without going into specifics, because we're going to go into specifics Right. right after this, how do you feel about this team at this point, compared to maybe how you felt about them over the last couple of years at this point?
1: Well, it's funny you should ask that, because... I was talking earlier to one of our Titans radio affiliates uh, down south, and they were asking me this kind of the same thing. And you can see just a dramatic difference in this base level of talent at the proper spots on this roster that John Robinson has been working so tirelessly over for the last three years since he came in as the general manager. And I think that's what's been evident at camp is that, from a 30000 foot level, you're looking out there and you're like, I remember two, three years ago, you're like, man, they need help here. They need help at this spot. They need this guy to come along quickly. They need this guy to come back from injury. They, you know, if the cards go right, you know, you can do this and that and the other. You're out there looking at them now and you're going, man, Dean Pease's defense, not too shabby. Offense, looking pretty good. Marcus has looked good, consistently good. He's made one bad throw in Ford practices. And I'm sure he's. he'd like to have that one back. You see the additions that they've made and then these young kids that have kind of grown up in front of our eyes. And there is a good, solid base level of talent, not only positionally, but in all three phases. I think special teams is going to be good, and that is a huge part. Uh, knowing that John Robinson and Mike Vrabel came from that Patriots way of life, how big a deal that is. Without special teams, they don't win half of those six world championships in their you know, modern-day free agent uh, period dynasty. Um, I mean, I think the end result is what is the earmark of a team that is moving in the right direction and, again, trying to go from good to great in that when they make that final cut Labor Day weekend of going to 90 to 53 because they just have one cut now there's going to be some guys on the street that are going to get jobs somewhere else and contribute.
0: And that's the earmark of a team that is starting to put it together. How do you feel about Vrabel year two? I think there's also something to be said for that, that, yeah, I mean, Arthur Smith is coming in, but Dean P's coming back is a real help. (laughs) It's huge. Yeah. And just having a staff that didn't have a ton of turnover on it. There is some, we talked about familiarity in our Mm -hmm. process in the first segment familiarity on the sidelines and the guys wearing headsets and carrying clipboards can't be understated either. Continuity is so huge
1: in this, just like you, you and I both talked about it in, in the first segment. It's that way in anything in life. It certainly is with this and you can see a comfortable level and a confident level from Mike Vrabel as, and he is working all three of those fields. If he's not working with Jarell Casey and Jeffrey Simmons and some of these guys on PUP trying to come back and working on on drills with them, he's over working on punt protection or kick protection on on special teams with Craig Aukerman. And if he's not doing that, he's running, you know, pass rush drills. I mean, he has got something going on all the time. And I think it's just again, he's been around the block now at this position, and he I'm sure took a lot of mental and, and written notes of what he'd like to do differently. The thing that I see differently with him and with John Robinson, it's interesting because the sense of urgency is there. They know that right tackle Jack Conklin, running back Derrick Henry, quarterback Marcus Mariota, backup quarterback Tannehill, Hill, a lot of these guys are in their last year their deal. And you better make some hay while the sun shines, as the farmers say. And I see this sense of urgency, and I saw it in OTAs, minicamp, and certainly in the first few days, John Robinson is watching this stuff like a hawk. He is anybody that's there filming and, you know, anything outside of the portions that the media are supposed to. He's asking who people are that are watching practice. I mean, he is this is his deal. But Vrabel, Mike Vrabel, I saw this in minicamp, and it was a an eleven on eleven drill, and Dean Pease didn't have a look that he liked. And I mean, he got into it with Dean Pease in terms of, they didn't have like a, an argument, but he was like, there's a sense of urgency with some expletives in there and about, you know, we got to get this guy lined up over here, whatever. And I had not heard that in year one because he played for Dean Pease. That was his boss. You know, he knows where everything is now and there's no question he's in charge And there's no question that John Robinson is in charge of that 53-man roster. And the urgency is
0: definitely there. Urgency, not just with the people that have to be paid, but also urgency for John Robinson's job, right? At some point, that has to factor in. I mean, he's got – I guess he's still got the Mariota thing left that he could point to if he had to. But I think that he's drafted fairly well. Well, when you look at the Kevin – for every
1: Kevin, you know, Kevin Byard. there's a a, a Kevin Dodd. I was about to say, yeah, you, know? Know. you stay with the same first um, name. But, um, yeah, I mean, you hate that Jack Conklin has had the injuries that he's had because started out as a you know an All Pro as a rookie right tackle. And, but again, if you can pull from that and glean from him the things that he is so gifted with athletically, uh, and that he stays healthy. Same thing with Marcus Mariota. You can win some ball games because. Th- the whole thing is this deep Dean P's defense. The fact that he came back after having a health scare in, in Indianapolis last year during the regular season, I can't put a value on it. And for them to bring in a guy like Brent urban, who is a massive defensive lineman who played for Dean P's in that defense to help out in the middle of that stuff. You can see all the pieces that they've got going forward, you know, for all of the, Henry's and Mariota's and the guys who contracts are out. There are so many that are under contract for the next three years, which would take you past a potential lockout year and the end of a CBA and the start of another CBA. When you've got a Kevin Byard under contract like that, when you've got a Jarrell Casey, I mean, there's a lot of dudes, whether they're under rookie or extended contracts that are going to be here for a while which is, again, goes back to the continuity, knowing who's next to you going to battle. You got him. I
0: got him. You know, I trust you implicitly. That's where it all is. I'm a guy who, and we've got Red Bryan of Titans Radio with us for the hour here on the Big Six. I'm Jason Martin. I'm a guy who feels like the people that write down every play in camp need to get a life. It's just me. Like I, I'm at training camp, and I'll stand next to Dave and Guinness and I learn a ton, and yeah. I love it. It's, it's a wonderful experience, once-in-a-lifetime kind of experience. But when I hear, well, Mariota was sharp today, or Mariota wasn't sharp the day before, <laughs> like he was super sharp yesterday, and then the day before, defense got the better of him. Mm-hmm. Tell me why I'm wrong that it's overvalued one day to the next what somebody like Marcus Mariota does in training camp. Well, I mean, I think you have
1: a valid point, but I think where the crux of it lies is that people are starving for football and for information. So not only whether it's just a cataloging of how many, you know, what his completion percentage was when they did a red zone drill or what they did in seven on seven or whatever. I think it's a dual deal. I think it's just kind of wanting to chart things and then also being able to talk to the fan base about what's my quarterback doing, what's my wide receivers doing, whatever. Uh, Yeah, and look, the fact, and I said, he had the worst throw of camp yesterday, uh, that it was off target intended for Tajay Sharp. It was tipped by Malcolm Butler, and it was picked off by the rookie Amani Hooker from Iowa. It's a throw he'd love to have back, but you know what? Out of all, whatever reps he's had in the three days plus before that, there wasn't a throw like it, and most of the stuff was, he was spinning it. But, again, it's the Underwear Olympics. They just started putting on pads on Sunday. So, you know, they, there's not a lot. You can't hit that guy in the red jersey. That's a good way to get a ticket home. Uh, that's why these preseason games coming up is a good uh, chance to show some things. But I see what they like. I see what they're doing. And I think the other thing's important in all this is they are not having to take a lot of time to stop and correct things. And that's something you saw some of last year is – you know, guys were just learning things and continuing to learn how Dean Pease wants his three four versus Dick LeBeau, et cetera, et cetera. Um, not a lot of time with that. They're they're making good plays, sharp plays, and not spending a lot of time going backwards.
0: Mariota looked a little bigger. Definitely. That was one of the things he had put on a little bit of Definitely. mass in the off season. Hopefully yeah. maybe that'll increase his durability just a little bit. Because I mean the biggest concern about Mariota. I don't know. I mean, I have problems with his consistency throwing the ball on the short to intermediate routes more than I do deep balls. Mm-hmm. I trust him more to throw the ball 40 yards downfield than I do to throw it eight, which I don't know is a good thing if you're Marcus Mariota. But the big question, or at least the easy target, is always oh, injury prone. I've never said that. I just thought his body has betrayed him a little bit more often than some other folks. But how do you feel he looks right now? In terms of his physique and everything, and listen, he can still
1: pull it down and run it. The legs are there. And he definitely has put weight on. It's one of the things that Mike Vrabel asked him to do to see if they could increase durability in this this whole deal. And you can see in his core, his torso up, that he definitely has more weight on. He looks bigger. Um, but the speed is still there. And, yeah, I mean, what I have seen so far, which is a small sample window, um, Marcus looks good right now. And – It doesn't hurt that he's got Delaney Walker back out there doing (laughs) Delaney Walker things at 35 years old after a major injury, that he has Adam Humphreys as a new receiver to go with an already talented Corey Davis, who is one of the storylines in this thing. Year three is where this receiver should take off if you're not named Randy Moss or whoever that had a really good rookie season, which those are few and far between. He looks
0: like W.R. number one, period. And he has to, to have been the fourth pick in the draft. Yep. Can't afford to uh, take one that's not. I mean, he's gone
1: and gotten the difficult grabs, the easy grabs, uh, and made it look good. And uh, really excited about the prospect of Corey Davis making another step forward and truly being wide receiver number one. And then that wide receiving group, man, on paper – that's one of the best Titans wide receiving rooms
0: we've had in years. Yeah, let's 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 put a pin in it. We'll talk about the receiving group, yeah. and I want to talk about Derrick Henry on the other side as well, but I kind of want to gush about Adam Humphreys because I really think he's going to be an X factor this season for this football team. I thought that might have been the sneaky best move that John Robinson made in the offseason was grabbing Adam Humphreys from out of Tampa Bay. So we will start there next. Rep Brian continues with us here on the Big 6, 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Back, Happy Tuesday to you. Hope it's going well wherever you are. This is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Right now, call Ryan Mudd at 737-ZONE. That's not the original phone number. That's 737-0663. You can also use 9663. 737-ZONE, 5th caller, will win a pair of sweet tickets to tomorrow night's Nashville Sounds game versus El Paso at First Tennessee Park. And by first pitch is around 7.05, it's Faith and Worship Night. There'll be music for an hour before as well. Gates will open at 5.35. Tomorrow should be a fun atmosphere. First pitch is at 7.05. I don't know if that means my first pitch at 7.05 or the sound's first pitch at 7.05, but somewhere around that point will either be my triumph or my defeat. So you will see it, and I'm sure many people will unfortunately have smartphones, And this thing will live in either fame or infamy or maybe both. We'll see. But fifth caller right now, 737-ZONE-0663 to Ryan Mudd will win those tickets. Rhett Bryan joining us here from Titans Radio this hour as we're just talking about the upcoming season. And we were talking about the receivers there in that last segment right at the tail end of it, Rhett. And I think A.J. Brown is going to be fascinating to watch. I like what he brings. Corey Davis, I've seen some of the video highlights of... One-handed grabs he's out here making, and he looks a lot like a WR1, like you said. And he definitely needs to be this season. And there were times last year where he looked like it. Against the Eagles, he had that incredible game. There. Yeah, the it was Patriots, like, too. Yeah, he showed yeah. up in the biggest in some of the biggest moments. That's when he showed up, and then he would just kind of go onto a milk garden for yeah. a month. And I think that that was a problem with the whole team. That team could go beat New England, or they could beat Philadelphia. Then they could go lay an egg against Buffalo. And Marcus Mariota, same could be
1: said for him in that same situation. But yeah, Corey Davis in those two games, it's twenty five, thirty percent of his catches, yardage, fifty percent of his touchdowns for the year in those two games against the defending world champion and the eventual world world champion. I mean, that's one. I I think as time goes by, that New England game um, on Veterans Day last mm-hmm. year maybe one of the better regular season games in the last several years at Nissan stadium, because let's not forget Tom Brady left that bad boy was seven minutes to go because yeah, they, they, they were, waved
0: the white flag and gave up on that
1: game. They're like, yeah. nah, we're done here because he got popped again and again. And again. I mean, whether it's hurries and pressures or quarterback sacks, and they're like, "Yeah, we need to live to fight another day. We don't need twelve going down. Let's uh, let's pull you right now and put in uh, Brian Hoyer and get this done. For just going to back to Foxborough. So yeah, uh, Corey Davis was lights out in that game and and caught the you know last second overtime winner or whatever against uh, yeah Philadelphia the Eagles. A- so, but yeah this this receiving core. Again, on paper is one of the better ones in maybe in Titans history because you have Corey Davis, you have a Taywan Taylor returning, you have a Tajay Sharp who you cannot count count out at all. Um and you mentioned Adam Humphreys before the break, and one of one of the better moves in this football offseason by John Robinson. He knew him from his time in Tampa, uh when he was an undrafted out of Clemson, he's a fifth year guy. Looks like a Sunday school teacher, yeah, uh, he's the kind of guy you want your daughter to come home you know and introduce to the family five eleven one ninety five seventy six catches, eight sixteen, five scores, and those are great numbers, considering you got Mike Evans and some other dudes, o j. Howard and a lot of those guys on that team, but what gets lost
0: in there is of those seventy six catches
1: sixty one percent of those catches were were for first downs.
0: Yeah, he's a chain-moving guy, and he's a dude that has no problem taking a hit either. Like, he's the one that's not alligator-arming it between the nope. hashes, and we saw that in Tampa over and over last year. That's why he became a favorite target of whoever was playing
1: quarterback for the Bucs <laughs> <box> last year. <laughs> and and can return punts. So, and, and, you know, has already seen some work uh, in that phase in, pre, in the training camp. So, yeah, there's two or three guys right there off the top, and then – You pepper in some interesting stories. I mean, Cameron Batson is one that you want to watch in this preseason. Undrafted from Texas Tech last year, and he got one of the offseason workout awards for skills from his teammates and coaches uh, that was revealed when training camp started. He's had a great offseason. He is a guy that if – if this other gentleman I'm about to talk about isn't watching, he will take Darius Jennings' job mm. as the return guy, and he can catch it too. I you mean, those are the
0: guys you talk about the return guy. Let's let's stay there for a second. Okay. That's been a consistent issue for this team for a long time. Mm-hmm. Dory was great in college, but he's also an athlete that you don't necessarily want out there. He doesn't look like he sometimes wants to be out there. Mm-hmm. They need him yep. in other spots. We had what Leon Washington back there. We had Dexter mm-hmm. McCluster back there. We had a lot of guys where it it looked like those things made sense at the time, Mm -hmm. and then they never did. So is there a true return guy on this team where it's actually going to work? We saw Jennings make some mistakes. We saw Batson make a mistake last year. I know everybody's going to make some kind of an error at some point, but but what is your confidence level as it relates to the return game?
1: Well, I mean, I feel better just because both of those guys, uh, Jennings and Batson, this is their second time around the block with the with the Titans in another year. And so they know what's expected of them. Um, and, again, Adam Humphreys, you know, I don't know what the kind of money you're paying him. Do you want him back there right. returning punts and he gets hurt? But there's another guy on this um, roster currently who's an undrafted out of North Carolina, Anthony Ratliff-Williams, mm-hmm. who I think predominantly is a kick returner but uh, had a lot of yardage in three years for the Tar Heels that may you may see some some opportunity there, but I think right now it's Cam Batson's job to lose. Now that he's been a primarily a punt returner. And that's really what you want to focus on anyway, just because the the way the rules have gone away from the kicking game in regards to, you know, kickoff returns. Punt returns is what you really are focused sure. on. So but uh again, a lot of good talent. I mean when A.J. Brown comes back from whatever he's got, which I think is maybe a slightly pulled hamstring or whatever, uh, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, Tajay Sharp.
0: Uh, <clears throat> a. Delaney a. Linton, Walker.
1: Delaney Walker. I mean,
0: good grief. How much of Davis's inconsistency last year do you think had to do with everybody could kind of key in on him? If they wanted to, because there wasn't an, an 82 out there. I and, he, think... and then you lose Jonu on top of that as well. Like it just, it was real thin. All sure. of a sudden it looked like, okay, there are some weapons here. Then it got, you realize the depth might not have been there. Well, and
1: let's, let's take it a step further. because there was Richard Matthews, again. <laughs> Hello, bye-bye. <laughs> um, let's not forget that in week two against the Houston Texans, they had to go back into Matt LaFleur's office and piecemeal something together. And that's why you had a Kevin Byer to Dane Crookshank fake punt for a 66-yard touchdown pass um to to keep things going. You were down your top 3 tackles because at that point Lawan was in concussion protocol, Dennis Kelly had the mysterious right. illness. Right. So I mean you had like guys like Tyler Merritts playing tackle and that's stuff. That's true. Um and you did not have Delaney Walker. So and that first month of the season, I mean yeah, it, there's a lot of things that can contribute to why Corey Davis didn't come along when he should have. And again, this offensive line, I think will be better because you have improved the cylinder play. You, you needed to look at guard on both sides and they have, and you know, Nate Davis, who they took in the third round from UNC Charlotte, uh, got all the reps at right guard and practice yesterday, which tells me, They are starting to like what he sees and not worried about a frog leaping stance and all this stuff that he had in college. Um, I mean, he got every rep at right guard with the ones. And so, you know, if that kid can come along, then that means Kevin Palmfield can play guard or tackle. Uh, You want Saffold there at left guard. Ben Jones is right there. You figure Corey Levin's probably the next guy that's going to make that group because he can play guard or center. And, again, if Jack Conklin is coming back and doing well, and he he looks good in what we've seen in terms of uh, being able to start mauling again, you know, it's only going to make everything better for a Derrick Henry, for a Marcus Mariota, for a Delaney Walker in this wide receiving core.
0: I want to talk about Derrick Henry and talk about the other side of the football, talk about the defense in the final segment. So when we come back, Rep will join us. And I'm going to ask him where a once upon a time in Hollywood ranks in his Tarantino list. Mm -hmm. Stick around for that as the Big Six rolls along here on a Tuesday night in the Music City on 1045 The Zone. The- Final segment of Ye Old Program. This is the Big Six here on 1045 The Zone. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners benefit from the rental boom by renting their homes the easy way. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. Rep Brian. Executive producer of Titans Radio. You can follow Titans Radio at Titans Radio, and he's at Rhett B, Tennessee. You can follow him as well, as you should. Scott Kasmar, Football Outsiders. I get a whole lot of stuff from these guys, especially Scott. Of the last 20 NFL rushing champions in the NFL, only five advanced in the playoffs. Five missed the playoffs entirely. Only two of them. Have reached a conference title game no one since Ladanian Tomlinson in 2007, and precisely zero of the last 20 rushing champions in the NFL have won the Super Bowl. Derrick Henry is a running back, and you look at teams like Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott, who's trying to get paid, and he's in Cabo right now. Oh, they went and signed Alfred Morris. I don't know that that's going to replace. I don't know that that's going to replace <laughs> Zeke. And then you got Melvin Gordon trying to get paid, and you understand because it's a 2.35 year average in terms of a career for a running back they mm-hmm. just drop like flies because of the amount of hits and the amount of physicality that they take right we talked about mariota getting bigger derrick henry never needed to get bigger no he's a frightening human being to stand next the to usually just...
1: Do- bulldozer they call him from yulee florida so yeah
0: so we saw a six game stretch last year basically where he there was, was nobody better he was the guy mm-hmm I'm not ready to put a statue out downtown Broadway of him just yet. He's eventually going to try to command some money, I would think, if he can keep this going. But do you think that he's going to be as big a focus as he was in the last six games of the season under Arthur Smith, especially early on this year? Maybe as some of these guys get more familiar, or Mariota's health, or what? Like how how do you feel like they're going to employ Derrick Henry, and where is, does Deion Lewis factor into this?
1: Well, I think you we'll see a lot of Derrick Henry. Uh, it's still not clear as to what the balance is between the passing game and the running game because they hadn't played a preseason game yet. We, you know, we see things in practice, but again, small sample size. Um, why wouldn't you want to give the ball to 22 to you know impose his will? Because, I mean, listen, in the old Jeff Fisher days, that average yard per carry as quarters clicked off and you got into fourth quarter, that's where Eddie made his hay because they're just tired of tackling a guy that big. Um, but again, you've got this wide receiving core that's so talented. You have so many options. So, you know, it's just interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where everything is delegated and how it's kind of carved up, and not that it's all going to be even because it's not. Um, I think when you start worrying about reps for who and whatever is when you get to end up getting beaten in a ball game but uh why wouldn't you want to tap into that last six weeks derrick henry versus the first uh 12 weeks in terms of that and uh, you know i i can't wait to see what all that looks like and again with improved cylinder play those left and right guards to go with the tackles it's it's going to be a, a, a direct dividend to number 22 uh in terms of reaping the benefits of that and, and dion lewis You know, I don't know how all that works. I don't know how they carve up carries or do whatever. Uh, Obviously, Derrick Henry can't run every
0: rep, every game. Didn't it feel like, I mean, I thought, I think maybe you agree with me, maybe you didn't, but I thought he was going to be used more last year than he was. I thought Deion Lewis was going to turn out to be more valuable than he was. And I think at some point, Derrick Henry made him less valuable because Derrick Henry needed to be on the field more often yeah and you know you I think Deion Lewis's best game was
1: probably in London in the loss to the Chargers yes I, mean, I think you're right 166 yeah. total yards I think that day um and had one of the that he had a 22 yard run in that game that is as good a 22 yard run as you will see in the NFL especially for a guy that size that is shaking tackles and trying to move it down the field to get his guys at least another first down and, and really trying to score obviously um But, yeah, you know, I I think it's going to be interesting just to see. I I don't think we know everything about what Arthur Smith's offense is going to be, and I don't think it's going to be a major overhaul. He will definitely put in things after conferencing with Marcus and, you know, the key members of the offense versus, you know, what he likes and what worked well because Arthur Smith is a super smart guy, and I'm sure he cataloged all kinds of plays that worked well last year to kind of
0: play to their strengths. Landon Collins – set the market for safeties. I don't know that Kevin Byard gets paid what he gets paid last week if it's not for Landon Collins getting the deal that he got. And so I'm really happy for Kevin Byard, and I'm happy that Landon Collins commanded the money that Landon Collins did as well. I also like the idea that Tennessee is betting on Kevin Byard. They're betting on him early. They're not going to let him get disgruntled. They're not going to let him feel Uh, not disrespected is not the word unappreciated underappreciated Jalen Ramsey shows up in an armored truck to stick it to Tom Coughlin who he can't stand that's in our division so you look at that and you say oh good let's just go ahead and keep feeding that malcontent all that we can please here's a gas can full of gas and throw that on that and meanwhile John Robinson just pretty much backs that same armored truck up to Kevin Byard and says thank you yeah and and you said it uh the team
1: and the organization banking on Kevin Byard. And John Robinson has done it from day one. He didn't have a fourth-round pick in that 2016 draft. So what did he do? He took him the third-round third, uh, third round first pick overall at number 64, and people were like, hmm, that's kind of a reach, isn't it? Not saying that today, are you? No, no, I agree. And you know what's great about that? The same Kevin Byard shows up to work every day. The only thing that's changed is the commas and zeros and those game checks and probably a little different uh, tax bracket. And he earned them. And he did. He clearly outperformed his rookie contract. It was a lot like Jarrell Casey in 2014 when they ripped up his rookie contract in August in the preseason and said, here's something more deserving of what – and that's happened to him a second time since then. Goes to work every day, busts his rear end. And, you know, after both – Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan have retired. Jason McCourty moved on and won a world championship with his brother in New England. I think Bayard's probably the leader of this defense now. He wants to be, wants to take that on. And why wouldn't you want to go play for a guy like that? Couldn't happen to a better person and still wants to play special teams as the personal protector of the punter, Brett Kern, and is has every plan of doing all those things. Nothing has changed with number 31.
0: Well, I wanted to talk Tarantino. I don't think we have time to do it. So, well, that just means we'll have to have Rhett back. There you go. talk about that. Plus, I need to actually see that film. I know I'm a movie <laughs> critic, but Rhett's seen it, and I haven't. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Once upon a time in Nashville, the Tennessee Titans are set to play football again. A week from Thursday against the Philadelphia Eagles. Titans radio coverage and our coverage here on The Zone will begin around 4.30 on Thursday. Football's here, folks. We'll see you tomorrow here on The Big Six. Alan Bell will talk NFL with me for the entire hour. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless, and good night.
1: All these muffins.